Hey friends, before we get to this week's episode, we have a couple of great things coming up this month at Redemption Hill that we want to share with you. All the details for these you can find on the website that's linked in the show notes. First, we have All Be Home for Christmas, a hand-spun, homemade family Christmas show. This will be December 22nd at the Basque Center downtown at 6 p.m. This event is sponsored by Boise Turnkey Real Estate, and all the proceeds will go to support Leap Housing. You can bring your whole family and you can RSVP at the Facebook event, also linked in the show notes. This year, we'll be doing two Christmas Eve services in conjunction with Discovery Church. Those will take place at 3.30 p.m. and 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve. We hope to see you there. Now, enjoy today's episode. We take this picture of Mary, we see this picture of Mary, and every time we see these paintings, she almost looks submitted, quiet. Yeah. She Soft. should just sit there in the corner and hold the baby. Right. Not the person we see. Quite honestly, I see somebody who has a lot of fire to her. Mm-hmm. I respect this strength. She's, she's a strong woman, not a domineering person in any way. That's not the point, but somebody who has the courage and the strength to say, this is the truth and I'm gonna speak into it. Hey everybody. Hi, welcome back to um, after a long hiatus to our Instagram live series. Um, I hope you all had a really wonderful Thanksgiving and a good November um, and a really lovely first Sunday of Advent with your micro church um, in our little break from meeting in a large group. So last Sunday was the first Sunday of Advent and I don't know about you, but it's my absolute favorite time of the year. Um, For those of you who might be unfamiliar, a quick primer on Advent. So Advent marks the beginning of the liturgical church calendar um, and is recognized the four Sundays before Christmas. So traditionally, four candles are lit during the season, one each week, um, that represents something specific about the Advent season. Advent's literal meaning is the coming And during Advent, we practice waiting for God to come, just as the Israelites waited for the Messiah. Um, But we only have to wait for four weeks instead of 500 years, so that's lucky for us. Um, Advent reminds us of our own longings, laments, and darkness, and offers a gentle, tangible hope and light that we get to practice holding on to intentionally for four weeks. So... All to say, this week we are talking with Kyle about that very thing, um, the first candle of Advent, which is hope. Um, In case you missed it or you haven't had a chance to watch the liturgy from Sunday yet, um, Kyle walked us through the story and the song of Mary in Luke 1. Um, He asked us to stop and consider the reality of what God was asking Mary when he asked her to carry Jesus. As God invites us into that same calling of participating with God in the world, Kyle reminded us um, that God still, in his abundant mercy, works through the humble and ordinary people to do his work of justice and love 
um, asking us where we place our hope and whether or not we will act on that hope this Advent season. Um, and today we're gonna get into that. So we'll get Kyle in here and then we will get rolling. There we go. Hey Kyle, how's it going? Good, how are you? Doing really well. Can you hear me okay? My internet has been kind of in and out. Um, I can. Okay, yeah. fantastic. Uh, well, thanks for joining me. Um, as we talk about Mary today, I'm so excited. Um, it's a topic I get excited about too. Um, yeah, I, I, I was love excited about this message. Awesome, well, let's get into it. Um, <coughs> So Mary, Mary is one of my favorite characters, and I'll prom, I'll, I'll try to like keep my excitement under control, but I can't make any promises. All right. So the first thing um, I would love to talk about, um, the first candle of Advent, um, the Hope Candle, often um, is called the Prophet's Candle. Um, and I love that Mary is also associated with the first candle, um, which like implicitly includes her with the prophets. Um, it's such a powerful statement from God about the sorts of people that God uses to communicate his message um, as he, you know, chooses a 12 year old girl to prophesy about God coming as a baby. Um, so that and then um, you also talked about the prophetic witness which is a beautiful phrase, but I think it can also be something that we don't totally understand. I'm not sure even I entirely grasp what it, like the significance of it. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about Mary as prophet, um, and then also the prophetic witness and how those things go together and why they're important. Okay. Um, it's a really, really challenging question to try to say, to answer <laughs> Concisely. Um, I think a couple things to consider. Um, when we think of prophecy, it's really easy to think of, we kind of imagine somebody telling the future. That's our first assumption when we think of prophecy. Mm -hmm. But the, the truth is that um, that's not exactly how prophecy works um, in the Bible. It tells the future, but not typically really far in the future. It's speaking into a, a context, mm -hmm. something that uh, is a really important message that God's need, God needs people to hear right now. Um, the, the people of Israel are committing injustice. They're falling away. They're worshiping idols. They're doing those things. And so the prophet has the message to them right then, right now. Hmm. Um, you've got to change your ways. Respond. If you don't respond, there's this effect of your sin. But if you do respond, then there's restoration. So it is telling the future, but not necessarily speaking really far into the future most of the time. Mm -hmm. um, for example, um, in the Old Testament prophecies, only about 5% of the prophecies pertain to anything in the New Covenant age. Most mm -hmm. of all stuff more so related to their context. Um, and Mary's doing that. She's speaking right into their context. Right now, this is what we need to know. This is what God is doing right now. Um, I think who God calls as his prophetic uh, voices is a beautiful thing. Sometimes on occasion, there were people that were in positions of influence. Um, maybe they came from a well-educated background or things like that, 
But a lot of times they're just people who um, are faithful people living their lives and God calls them and says, I have a mission and I want you to go do this. And a lot of times they're unlikely people. My mm -hmm. memory is that Jeremiah was a really, really young man. Um, things like that where it's, um, it's not always the expected, but when God speaks, it's powerful. Um, so he's using the faithful. And Mary is definitely somebody that's a good role model for being faithful. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, 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 and that's what, is, what she's doing. As, as I look at the text, she's first of all reflecting in her own life and talking about how God is working in her life. But it's not about self-centeredness. It's, it's really about a humility and then recognizing the things that he's doing for me. He's doing for all of Israel. And I want all of Israel to know, hmm. which is also um, a really powerful piece in there because she does get really political. And we don't really notice that if we just skim through it or uh, go watch a, a nativity play or something. But um, the, the Magnificat is, is very subversive. Um, I don't know if you want me to wait on that part to later or whatever, but. Oh, no, either way. I mean, I was going to ask you about that and we can just go straight into it since we're here. Okay. Um, yeah. Connect so, politics strain to Mary. How did those things go together? Okay. So she, um, so if we put ourselves in her shoes, what is her context? This young woman, um, the minimum legal age for getting married was 12 <laughs> If you were 18 and you weren't already married, something was probably wrong with you. That's how they viewed it socially. So she's somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, this, this young woman, she's not um, from any position of influence, anything like that. Um, so vulnerable um, and, and not a lot of uh, voice for herself. And um, when you look at what she starts singing about, She's uh, talking about how God is going to bring down rulers from their thrones. Mm. Who are the rulers that she's going to be talking about? Who are the ones that she's looking at? Well, there's Herod, um, Herod the Great, who um, he killed one of his wives. He's killed multiple of his sons. I can't imagine being so consumed with my power that I would kill one of my daughters. Like, that's horrific. But yeah. he's this. And that's barely scratching the surface of who this guy is. And she knows these things. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he's brought the death of many, many people. He has a secret police um, and she knows that. So she's singing this song and it doesn't imply that she went into a room and quietly started whispering it. She's singing this song. People could have heard her singing this song and nothing would have stopped Herod from removing her. What other powers? Rome? Um, Rome is a scary thing. It's, it's definitely an occupying force. There's all these rulers and powers that are around her and all of them are very dangerous, but yet it doesn't stop her. When she wants to sing about what God's doing, um, he, she starts singing about the fact that it's not Rome, it's not Herod, it's God who holds the power mm -hmm. and he's working through the humble. And he's merciful and he's picking up the humble. And that's a powerful message. And I think it also speaks to the fact that we, um, I'm saying a whole lot of stuff that I'm guessing are questions you want to ask me, but <laughs> we, we take this picture of Mary. We see this picture of Mary and 
every time we see these paintings, she almost looks submitted, quiet. Yeah. She Soft. should just sit there in the corner and hold the baby. Right. Not the person we see. Quite honestly, I see somebody who has a lot of fire to her. Mm -hmm. I respect this strength. She's, she's a strong woman, not a domineering person in any way. That's not the point, but somebody who has the courage and the strength yeah. to say it. This mm -hmm. is the truth and I'm gonna speak into it, which is very prophetic. Yeah. Not, not that different from people like John the Baptist speaking against power when it's corrupt. Mm -hmm. um, well, and so brave to yeah. speak into, especially when like the consequences are right there. <clears throat> yes, absolutely. And most of us, when we're looking around at the injustice and, and the, the, the brokenness of the world around us, we, we stay quiet about it. We try to move on. We don't want to ruffle feathers. We don't want to get in trouble. But in the song, she's very open about it. She sings about it, um, saying, God, God's, gonna, God's doing something here. They are not the ones in power. God is. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of things in here that are very prophetic, speaking into her, her context. But part of the prophetic message as well is, um, is a message of hope. When we look at the prophets, they do speak about lots of negative things that are going to happen. Um, there will be judgment. You better repent, all these things. But the prophets spend a lot of time also um, talking about the things that they can place their hope in. Yes, these things might happen if you don't repent. Yes, these things are going to come because of the things that you've done. But they almost always come back to the message of, but that's not the end of the story. Yeah. God's going to great. Mm -hmm. And in the Magnificat, that's what she says. She says, this is the moment God's doing something great. Are you watching? Yeah. How much What's that? I said, it's like, how much are you paying attention? Yes, yes, yes. And yeah, it's a powerful song. There's so much in just a couple verses here. Awesome. That's so good. So, I mean, you've gotten into this a little bit, um, but we'll just pivot just a, a bit to really get into it. So, um, as you said, often with Mary, we like see her over there softly in the corner. Um, and she is one of those characters that often we end up like pushing to the side or we talk about her like two times a year, even though she's such a central figure um, in Jesus's life um, and just in the story of the Bible mm -hmm. general. Um, so what other things would you say that like we often miss about Mary? Why do you think we often lose her story or skim past her? Um, as far as why we skim past her, I think there's a couple answers to that. Um, as a Protestants, um, it's really easy for people to say, oh, well, Mary's for Catholics. Yeah. I, I think, I, I, I know a lot of Catholics. Um, I'm happy to call them my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm pretty sure they're willing to share. Um, like, I, <laughs> it, Mary's not for Catholic. She's not not for, she's in the Bible. And, yeah. and all scriptures God breathed. Um, she's she's mm -hmm. significant. And so that's one reason I think sometimes people get nervous about it. Um, and, and honestly, I think that's a really silly reason. Um, the other one, um, 
I think the church has a history of skipping over a lot of stories that have to do with women. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it amazes me how often I bring up women characters in the Bible and people are like, well, I didn't know that story, but yeah. they're there. Yeah. And um, I understand that the world has a pretty significant history of patriarchy, but whatever it's in the Bible, it matters. It's there for a reason. And all of these people are characters that, are part of God's plan. We need to pay attention. Um, and, and Mary's significant. Um, what do we miss about Mary? Um, when we put her in the corner and decide that she just needs to sit there and hold the baby, um, there's a lot of discipleship um, opportunities that we miss from, from watching her journey. Hmm. There's, you have this whole story I don't know why, but God picked her to be the one that he brought Jesus into the world through. Like that's, there's a reason. I don't know what it is, but he picked her. Maybe I should pay attention. <laughs> and so when we look at the, um, the conversation that she has with Gabriel, um, this young, likely uneducated um, young woman gets confronted with this major uh, situation that God puts in front of her. You're going to have a baby, but you're not only just having a baby, you're, well, I mean, you're having me. Um, and it's going to come in a way that's completely unexpected yeah. and does not make sense. And here you go. This just fell in your lap. Mm -hmm. And I know that this is going to scare you. And I know that it can even be dangerous for you, but this is what I'm calling you to do. Yeah. And I think it's interesting to compare her to Zechariah's story. Zechariah is educated. He is a person of influence. He's a man um, who's much older than her. He's got life experience. Yeah. How does he respond when God puts something that's even less intimidating in front of him? He questions it. Like, I, this doesn't make sense, God. This can't be true. What happens when you have this young woman without influence or anything like that? God puts it in front of her and she does ask a question. She says, you know, can you explain to me how this is going to happen? That's a pretty legitimate question. Right. He doesn't say he can't do it. Mm -hmm. She's, she just listens and her response. Um, I'm looking at the NIV right now. Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mm. Think about like the craziest thing that God could ask you to do right now. What is your response going to be? Yeah. Like her response is amazing. It's powerful. Whatever it is, God, this is, this is what we're going to do. It kind of reminds me of um, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and the whole fire thing where they're like, look, yeah. we, we believe that God can rescue us, but you know what? If he doesn't, that's all right. We're still doing what we know is right to be faithful to him. And it was just like it was a life and death situation for them. This really is a life and death situation for Absolutely. her. And this is her response and it's powerful, but her story continues on. Um, and we see Jesus first miracle in, in Cana is kind of sort of instigated by her. She brings him into the mix. He was just there relaxing. And I don't want to go too far into that story, but I mean, she's present. She plays a major part in that, first miracle coming to be um and if we go to the cross most everybody else had left but mary's there mm -hmm. and 
for anybody that was watching this, out of anybody that would have been watching him be crucified, it would have been most horrible for her watching her child mm -hmm. go through this brutal death. But even there at the end of his life, Mary is still standing there by his side um, when most people had left. Yeah. Um, and another important piece in the story is that that's not the end of it. When we get to Pentecost, she's there. And there's not many people that are there, but she's there, mm -hmm. ready to be a leading voice in the new church. Um, so she's not just there for Jesus' birth. She's there the whole, for the whole journey in various ways. And mm -hmm. she continues to be there after the resurrection as the new church is forming. One other piece that's important to note for her is that um, along the way, there are things that she does not understand. And then it keeps saying that she takes those things and she ponders them in her heart. And that's another discipleship piece for us is that we don't have to understand it all. Jesus' mother did not understand everything about him. But she continues on the journey. And sometimes she makes decisions where it's like, oh, I think you misunderstood that moment. But she takes it and she reflects on it and she keeps coming back. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a model for us. So many people run into a piece in their walk where they get confused, they don't understand what's happening and they walk away. She did not walk away. She ponders it, she reflects on it, she, she holds on to it and keeps coming back and tries to put the pieces together. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I, I think her life is pretty significant. She's one of the main characters in the gospel story. And so when we put her in the corner and tell her to be quiet, I think we've missed a big piece in the story. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's so good. Um, so that segues nicely um, into, I would love to talk to you a little bit also about humility. Um, especially, I mean, with Mary, but then also how we see humility play into Jesus's story as well. Um, even in, in all those moments, you know, where she was like, I don't understand what's going on. And I'm, I will keep showing up, even though I'm making mistakes, you know, all those things. Um, so how would you say, um, how do we, first of all, you talked about, you know, God working through humble people, rather than people who are charismatic and powerful. And we've touched on that a bit, too. Um, but how do we you answered this a little bit, but how do we see that made manifest in Mary as she grows up with Jesus? Um, but then how do we see Jesus also exemplify that as we seek to live out humility in our own lives? What does that look like for us? Okay. Um, I think um, when we look at the modern Western church, I, I see people really consumed with numbers of people. Mm -hmm. um, there's this, this number for churches. We have to break the 200. Um, you know, we, we need the bigger, better platform, bigger, better stage. Um, we both go to Redemption Hill. Redemption Hill as a really, really small community already has more people than jesus had walking around with him forming his fellowship yeah. and even if we go beyond the 12 
even as, as, as uh, our, our small church, um, Jesus kept a smaller crowd around him. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, um, I think it's really important to remember that like this was Jesus and he kept this small number. He didn't continue to work hard to make sure that his platform keeps going bigger and bigger. Um, if anything, he worked hard to keep it small. Um, mm-hmm. And if anybody was worthy of a big name, if anybody's worthy of a big platform, it's him. But that wasn't his focus. His focus was not on all the glamour and popularity and all those things that he could have achieved and he could have acquired. He really spent his time living relationally in the community around him. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's a reminder to us as we look at our impact on the world that this desire to change the world. Yeah, I want to change the world, but what does that mean? I, I don't need to have the whole world turn and look at me. I mm. want to turn and look at Jesus. Yeah. But what is, what is right in front of me that I can do? How can I serve people around me? And it's crazy to think about Jesus' ministry. He, um, he spends his time having conversations constantly with people one-on-one healing this person here, going over there and healing that person there. Um, how can I serve you? I'm going to do this for you here. Yeah. And I, I really think that that's where effective ministry takes place. It's not in getting the big name. Um, I went to a, a really large church for a little while and they were an amazing church. It was great, but they had four different ser- services and quite a few thousand people coming through there every weekend. Um, I could sit in the same seat every week, um, same service, and still never know the people around me because I could meet them. And then the next week, somebody different would be there. And where did the community come from? Where did the relationship come from? The pastor was amazing, one of the most amazing speakers. And I know he had a heart for God. But I think in the entire time that I went there, I had one very short conversation with him. Mm-hmm. So how was he pastoring me? Yeah. Um, and I just, I don't know, I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but I just think that in, we need to focus less on making myself big. I guess that's John the Baptist's whole thing, right? It's less about making myself big mm-hmm. and more about making him big in the lives of the people around me. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think Mary does not seek a platform for herself. That's not it. I think the first half of this song, she's completely blown away that God would even stop and pay attention. Um, And the rest of her life, it's not about making a platform for herself. And we see that with Jesus. He lives his entire ministry, not really working that hard to make a platform for himself. He spends his time personally interacting with people. And I I think that's, that's our calling. Um, I don't know if I answered your question. I think you hit it right on. Okay. Yeah, that was great. Um, all right, do you have time for one more quick one? I have time, yeah. Yep. Great. So uh, I just wanted to, I'm going to read um, something you said um, and then ask you a question about it. So you said God's determined what you're bringing to the table. You're bringing hope and he's going to work through you. Um, and that's a major shift for us, you know, because it, it changes where we're putting our hope, moving our hope from 
ourselves and what we hope that we can bring to the table and putting it um, in God. Because in order to hope, or in order to bring hope, we have to have our hope in the right place and be paying attention to the right thing. So what are some things as we go through Advent, um, how can we practice paying attention to what God is asking us to do or calling us into? Um, and then how does placing our hope in God help us to do that? Okay. Um, so one of my biggest struggles is I have a, a very strong inferiority complex. Mm -hmm. I spend a lot of time um, thinking I'm not good enough. Um, I, as a teacher, what makes me somebody that can, like, why would anybody need to be learning from me? What, what could I even possibly bring to the table? Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's in, in most all of my, my, all aspects of my life that I struggle with. Yeah, I don't think I really have anything good to bring to the table. Yeah. And as I went on my journey with God, I came to the realization that whether that's true or not, it doesn't really matter. Um, Hmm. it's not about what I bring to the table. It's about resting in him and letting him bring things to the table through me. Yeah. That's so on my own, I can mess things up. I can say really dumb things. I can, yeah, on my own. I don't know. I can do lots of things that are, <laughs> yeah. I'd rather not, but um, somehow I'm always amazed at um, the things that, you know, people say like, oh, you said this and it really helped me or whatever. And it's like, I said that? I don't remember saying that. That was really awesome. <laughs> I can write that down. Um, but it's not about me. It's it's about him working through me. And I think we see that too with, um, as you take somebody like Peter, who also would have been really not very educated. Um, he He can often on his own say really stupid things and bring some funny things to the table. But yet, get to the book of Acts and look at these majestic yeah. messages that he's giving as mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit is working through him. Yeah. And I think we really need to put, you know, take ourselves off the table. Stop worrying about me and just allow it to be a submission to him. God's mm -hmm. God. He's mm -hmm. calling me. And if he's calling me, then he's also giving me the tools to do the things that he's calling me to do. Right. And I, I, if I remove myself, I can stop being the barrier and let him be the, the mm. Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, and that yeah. just takes us right back to the thing, you know, with Mary and being like, all right, I'll just let you work through me, even though I don't know how it's going to work. Um, I, you know, I don't know what's going to be the consequences, but all Mary had to do, you know, was show up and be present for Jesus. And we all have the like same capacity to carry the spirit that she did. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's so good. There's one thing. Can I say one more piece about this? That yeah. I think is really important. Yeah. Um, in our current political situation, we see lots of people who are lots of Christians who are spending a lot of time putting their faith in the political process certain mm -hmm. political figures, different political ideologies. Um, and I think when we look at Mary, 
I think she's prophetically telling us that we're putting our faith in the wrong things. And um, she talks about how God, uh, God performs the mighty deeds with his arm. But I think it's also interesting to think of, she's talking about there that God's the divine warrior. But what is God doing that defines him as the divine warrior? He's, um, she specifically says here that he lifts up the humble. He fills the hungry with good things. How is God fighting? He's not using the political systems. He's not trying to see if we can get different political figures into office and put all of our hope in them. Yeah. If we do, we're going to be disappointed. Um, instead, he, he's saying, put your trust in me and follow my example. And my example is to change the world around you by feeding the hungry, lifting mm -hmm. up, doing those things. And I just, um, I think Mary is definitely calling us out for putting our hope in things that are going to fail and things that are broken. Yeah. When we should be putting our hope in him as the one who is going to change the world. Yeah, amen. That's good. Well, thank you. That's a fantastic place to end right there. If, unless there's something else you want to add on at the end. Before... No. I think okay. I'm good. Awesome. No, it's so great, Kyle. Thank you so much. Um, that's good stuff to think about as we step into the Advent season. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Of course. Bye, everybody. We'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes in your podcast feed. You can find out more on how to get connected with Redemption Hill at redemptionboise.org slash connection, where you can fill out the connect card and start your journey today. For regular encouragement throughout the week, follow us on Instagram at redemptionboise. We are so glad you're here and are excited to accompany you in your story with God. We hope to see you soon.